Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Future Film Podcast. It's your host Robert Fitzhugh uh, from the Dublin Smartphone Film Festival. Uh, in today's episode we are talking to De- Declan, no, pronounce it Declan Dowling and he is the director of the uh, 360 film uh, Fueland. Uh, that film was the winner of the 360 category last year. It's an Irish film um, and it's absolutely excellent and you should be able to find it on YouTube um, and it's worth checking out. Uh, and uh, basically we sit down with Declan and we chat about um, VR360, uh, how to make one, the trials and tribulations behind it and pretty much the process that goes into it. I found the conversation absolutely fascinating. Uh, 360 video is only something that we're dabbling at here at the festival and um, so it was really interesting to get a, a filmmaker's perspective on how they go about making it. How are you doing, Declan? Good, uh, very good. Thanks for coming on the pod. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, good, how are things with you? Uh, really good, yeah, yeah. Great, great. So uh, we're here today to talk about your 360 experiences. Yeah. Declan, for anyone who's listening, was uh, the winner of our 360 uh, category uh, at last year's Dublin Smartphone Film Festival. So um, I'm really interested to find out a little bit about kind of the process behind that, yeah. how yeah. you end up shooting a 360 film, and uh, what you rate 360 films as a whole on. Yeah, okay, okay. So um, I suppose I'll introduce the film itself. It's called Fela. Mm-hmm. And uh, we shot it over about three days in Ferry Carrig in Wicklow. Yeah. Uh, which is close to you, I think. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's it was actually in the Irish National Heritage Park, which is this great um, outdoor museum where you can look any direction and it's historical. You know, there's lots of forests, lots of reconstruction, and there's there's very few modern elements. So that mm-hmm. kind of drew me to it. Um, but what led me to actually produce the content was that uh, I was working in an educational software publisher and we started working with Google on these things called expeditions which are uh, VR um, simulations for students in schools Mm -hmm. and they would get a a group of headsets for the classroom and they would all go off on an expedition together and they would you know go to Great Barrier Reef, go up to space, these kind of things and um, we were creating the educational content for that but also we shot some of them for Google so Google sent over a jump system which is basically uh, the, the, the jump camera, they called it, uh, which was 16 GoPros arranged in a circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens is each GoPro, take they were synchronized to take a still at the exact same time. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And they would all take the still and the, the overlap would be used by an algorithm to create what was the stereoscopic depth. Mm-hmm. So it would work out what the depth was based on the difference between the two cameras, just like your left and right eyes. Yeah. Um, so that's how people perceive depth is because we've got Class. two eyes. Uh, people when I won't. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, so uh, it, it, it allowed them to create these really immersive 3D uh, panoramic images. Um, there was an issue where you couldn't see above or below just the way they created it and mm-hmm. the way the algorithm worked. But that was fine because the, the, the viewing angle of a GoPro on its side at the widest lens is yeah. actually really, really wide. So you get quite high up and the, the zenth and nether, as they call them, uh, those two areas, those blind spots, were uh, pretty easy to cover up and they just blurred them out. Um, so that camera allowed us to take those kind of panoramic images, but uh, um, uh, Google also started developing it for video. And it was called, they worked with GoPro and they created something called the GoPro Odyssey. So after working with Google for a while, taking these panoramic images, um, I decided to enter a competition called Jumpstart, where mm-hmm. Google were offering the GoPro Odyssey to um, 
different filmmakers to create, you know, just to use that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, we we entered. I, I, I was originally thinking of creating a VR film about. It's a strange one, but it was uh, it was actually going to be a narrative structure where you would be a ethereal guardian spirit of a child who's going through uh, a tough time during the recession. And you well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was, I was trying to get a setting and I knew yeah. I could film here in Ireland and I needed a topic and I knew there was a lot of issues in that area, you know, and yeah. create a lot of drama for a lot of people. And um, so I wanted to focus on that. But then um, I, I've been working with VFX for a long time and I've been working with historical companies like Tile Films. Yeah. And um, they're an amazing documentary company, very advanced, very technological, and uh, they do great historical content. So the pairing kind of made sense at the time to go with them and I couldn't approach them with that kind of dramatic kind of story. So I needed uh, something more, uh, you know, along the lines of what they could produce. So after filming in the Heritage Park in, in Ferry Carrick uh, for Google, um, after shooting those stills, I, I went back and I thought, hold on a minute, I've got this great documentary historical recreation company, I've got the location with all the panoramic images that I can just I already know the layout of the yeah, place yeah, yeah. and uh, and then I've got that kind of loose idea of a story so I thought okay well let's just you know try and stick them all together um, so I started merging the ideas and I did a bit of research and I found uh, something so a mention of uh, these what were called the werewolves of orissery I think uh, they, they it was in the Topographica Hibernica which yeah. is uh, an old old book written by a priest uh, who visited Ireland. That's some extensive um, research you did, yeah? Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> I, I wanted to find a really good source yeah. of inspiration for this. Um, so in, in one of the stories in that, in that book, there, it talks about a priest who got lost in the woods um, and he encounters a werewolf. And instead of killing him, the werewolf leads him, because back then werewolves were nice and they could talk and all these things, the werewolf leads him to the site of its dying wife and asks him to perform last rites. You know, yeah. This is obviously his own words, um, and then uh, the uh, and in return, the wolf leads the priest back out of the woods. You know, as a favor. Yeah. Um, so that story changed throughout the years, and it became this kind of fairy tale myth of these guardian spirits of the woods that protect children, and they're wolf-like. You know, werewolf kind of. I was going to say it kind of it on some level it follows the similar theme to the idea you had for the recession thing, where it was a yeah, child. Yeah, that was exactly. Yeah. So there was that, that connection there, you know. And I thought, okay, I'll take that structure and I'll apply it to this park, and then I'll get these people in and get you know these Vikings and these uh, the extras. Mm -hmm. So Tile went out and they they went to local. Um, drama groups and they got some students in and uh, we started working we just started doing casting uh, the script I drafted the script uh, based in part on the layout of the park so what we this was still for the competition yeah this was still for the competition uh, yeah, yeah okay yeah, yeah. yeah. so th th there was a bit there was a script and then a pitch document put yeah. together and um, I had a researcher from tile help me with a lot of it as well mm -hmm. um, and we we spent a, quite a while about a month putting this document together and we pitched it and Google loved it so they sent us the camera uh, but then we had another issue we didn't have any budget yeah I was gonna so say because it's a pretty expensive looking exactly thing. Yeah, yeah yeah so uh, so we had the camera which is a great start but we didn't have the budget so what I decided to do was put the camera to work and use the camera to film for different uh, companies to pay for the budget of this film Cool. So, um, because I had a full-time job at the time, I didn't want to go around doing, I, I didn't want to re-register as a freelancer, all this stuff, oh, I didn't want to do stuff, all that. Yeah. How long so did they give you the camera for? What was the duration um, that they... It, originally, this is the thing, it, originally it was supposed to be a month, 
Yeah. And that was a month to learn to use it, to get it to work, to do all the, because they're quite problematic, these cameras, you know? Yeah, I mean? yeah. Um, but then uh, we ended up filming another production for them, uh, which is unreleased. Um, uh, it's a medieval one. It's oh, actually okay. better than Fela, I think, uh, because I slowed the camera down, it's on tripods you, you, and rails. Did you do it after Fela? Yeah. Oh, yeah. so you kind of learned. But it, it allowed me to keep the camera for another two months yeah. and get a pickup sh for the ending of Fela. So if you watch Fela really carefully, you'll see the kid at the start has long hair and then the really short hair. Because <laughs> oh, it was nice. two months later we yeah, shot yeah. the ending. You didn't um, bother put him in a wig or anything like no, that. No, no, like we didn't have to. The end of Fantastic Four. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, so, yeah, doing that allowed us to keep it for. So we ended up having the camera for three months. So I went out and I approached um, various, uh, you know, companies like Falcha and Dublin City Council and all these different ones, and um, basically just offered my services shooting panoramic content. Yeah. And uh, the payment for that funded the production of this film. HMH also co-produced. Uh, uh, they they shot uh, expeditions mm -hmm. in while we were filming. I'll get the you. Content. Yeah. So yeah. that kind of helped build up. Basically, they, they they paid for the Vikings. I brought everything else. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I got yeah. me a gang of Vikings, which was great. Nice. Um, so we shot Viking expeditions when we were down there too, um, and yeah. So it w a big reason uh, for you know doing it that way was because there was no funding. There yeah, was, yeah, there was no way to find funding, and there still isn't. There's a, I think there's one film that some Oscar nominated director that got funding recently for 360. Yeah, but yeah. it's not even a film. It's a, it's like a VR simulation or something. I like suppose that. because again, it comes back to that issue is that who you, who's going to watch it? Where you going to show it? How yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that, things like that you could probably release on Steam. Uh, you mm. could, you know PlayStation Store. Um, YouTube is fine, you know, uh, it, do, it does uh, drop resolution depending on, yeah. you know, what device you're watching on, what your bandwidth is. Um, if you use the offline mode on YouTube, actually uh, YouTube Red, uh, the, the premium version, you can watch stuff offline at the highest res, which oh, is great. Class. Yeah. Um, but still, you're always watching something that was shot, uh, because these cameras, they shoot, you know, it's, it's 16 GoPros, mm -hmm. so you imagine 16 full HD pieces of footage put together. Stitch, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it, right. it adds up to 8192 by 8192 image uh, size, pixel size. So it's size. always being... It's huge. Yeah. It's, and th that, that was a big challenge for post-production because those those files are so big. Um, yeah, because you have to stitch them all together, yeah? I mean, Actually, it, it stitches it for you, yeah? It stitches, that's the thing, because Google's algorithm, you did have to collect the files and they had they had software for that too. Put it, send it up to the cloud, the cloud stitches it and sends you back renders. Yeah. The problem is those renders were so big that no editing software out there could really work with them. <laughs> so I ended up approaching Trinity College and working with uh, vSense, who are a research group. Oh, I know vSense, yeah, 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 yeah. Stack B. And um, they allowed us to use some of their uh, facilities to, create, to, to basically edit the whole thing. It was the only place I could find machines powerful enough to do it. Um, so a lot of it was built in there. I did a lot of it in my spare time. Um, I was actually, because of work, I was traveling around the world quite a bit. So um, I had a laptop and I'd be like, sitting up at like 6 a.m. in the, you know, or like 4 a.m. in the hotel in Florida and like starting to edit it on a laptop and then getting back to Ireland and offloading that into Trinity. And yeah. It was just, it just constant uh, amount of work just to get it done because of the file size and because of the, the way VR works. How long did it take you to shoot the actual film? The, the film only took two days. Okay, three yeah. days in total because of the extra pickup day, but yeah. two days to film. And then how uh, long was it to edit? Um, it took, well now, to be fair, the edit was done in about a month or two, but the visual effects took That's what I was gonna the say, rest of the year. How yeah. does that work in terms of visual effects? So 
because you're looking away you can look away from me you can look back exactly yeah, yeah yeah so so the software is still catching up but at the time uh, after effects was was getting there it was starting to you know it yeah. was one of the more cutting edge you could there's a, there was nuke does a lot of work for it as well for vr stuff and there's a lot of other in, individual programs but i chose after effects because i know it so well um and what it does is um it tracks some of the footage Right? Mm -hmm. And it works it because you're able to match cameras these days very easily. If you've got a piece of footage, you've probably seen it on mobile devices as yeah, well, yeah, yeah. where you have a, you know, a simulation. It's not even it's not even AR. It's not even 3D. It's just 2D tracking of a scene. Yeah. Um, so this tracking software is great, but it doesn't work with panoramic round images that go all around you. Mm -hmm. So it tracks a piece of it. And then it works out where the camera is and where it's facing, and the rest is kind of guessed based on that. Okay, so yeah, just yeah, because the great thing about VR cameras is they're always the same. They're, it's the same lens. It's always yeah, yeah, three sixty. No, you know, yeah, yeah, there's no change yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah so so um, so they they're they're able to kind of give you rough estimates. So with a lot of tracking, uh, unfortunately, the tracking failed a lot, so you have to chop pieces of footage up. Yeah, and what what that causes is the visual effects you have tracked into the scene. They they pop in the uh, next they scene. almost jump up yeah yeah so yeah. i had to find points um where i could cut um not only points where i had to cut in live action that were to to allow for transitions between scenes i had to find points where i could cut the visual effects too so i had a couple of explosions put in because you have a lot of explosions all yeah, that's yeah. computer effects yeah, yeah the, all the arrow effects. with the fire uh the there was well no yeah they, yeah that was fake as well yeah the yeah. actual arrow is yeah fake. he didn't fire anything if you okay. look really closely the great thing is no one can see it because the resolution is still not high enough well the great thing about but it is is no one can see because the resolution is quite high and there's so much to look at in a 360 yeah. film that you're you can sneak in stuff like you said about the hair and the long hair there's yeah. so much to take in that you you wouldn't even you notice wouldn't it. you, yeah. you yeah. can't scrutinize mm. it each individual frame as much as you would in a film yeah and having a location like that has so many different like things to look at as well you know, yeah, so yeah. many beautiful little uh, pieces of architecture and all these different things so I, I, I the great thing was that when I put it out originally it was on YouTube and that allowed me to analyze heat map data mm -hmm. of uh, what people were looking at and um, because I did have a, a oh, certain so you can actually see as yeah. opposed to seeing how long people drop off a video you can actually see where they're looking at where they're looking and when Oh, that's so really it overlays that on top of the video and you can see little people's eyeballs like drifting off and so looking at So you can things. see what people are, oh that's brilliant. Yeah, so yeah. Was so there anything that random that people were? There was, there was, um, what was it, there was one interesting point. I set up a scene, I staged it so that the protagonist who's in the foreground, you're looking over his shoulder at the Viking who's about to shoot him with an arrow. Yeah. And then a monk runs by and falls to his knees, right? Yeah. And I wanted the people to look at the monk, look at the Viking and look at the kid, right? Yeah. In that order. And I thought I had it staged perfectly. But what I found is that people actually just kept looking at the Viking. They did. They ignored the kid. Um, I, this is this is actually in a research paper that I, I drafted for for resets. Um, yeah. But uh, what we found was that because it was an over shoulder shot, people just assumed they were the kid. It was his perspective. Yeah, from narrative. So they didn't bother looking at him. So the drama, the tension, and the kid backing up, about to be shot with an arrow, they didn't see any of that. They were just looking at the Viking and the monk dying on the ground. Um, it's funny because you are that's that's traditionally when you're watching a movie you would be that's the yeah yeah you become yeah. the protagonist when with yeah. shots like that so, so I didn't realize that at the time I really was thought you're looking at the kid because he's beside you but no you you embody him even though he's just right beside you and you look where he's looking now in terms of staging that did you have to that level I know th there's an instance where it, it didn't click but did you have to stay 
staging in a way where okay well i know i want the monk to come through what was the decision to have the monk walk through fall down was it just to add more stuff for you to look at um no it was it was a it was a pacing thing really yeah. it was to, it was to I, I wanted that to be a pinnacle scene um and i wanted to give the viewer a choice as well to intervene in yeah. this scene so they they uh the way we shot it was there's there's actually multiple versions of every scene and there's some people in the film in the full version of the film that aren't in the version you saw okay. because what you saw uh, what we screened at your festival last yeah. year was just one path through the film's narrative yeah it was one yeah and at certain points if you do if you pick something else or if you go uh, make a mistake and don't pick something uh, things happen so this this scenario was uh, the boy um, and th there's a basket on the wall between him and the, the Viking who's about to shoot him with an arrow. Uh, if you focus on the basket, you can knock it over. And that's what happens in the film. Oh, class. And it gets knocked over and the oil spills out um, and there's a big explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he escapes. But if you don't, um, t it times out and the kid gets shot. And then the kid limps away and he's got an arrow in him for the rest of the film. So... Uh, <laughs> That's so interesting. So when you're composing the story for that, you have to come up with multiple story strands and junction points where it can change? Yeah, yeah. So I created kind of a... You'll see it on the website. If you go to faila.net, yeah. F-A-O-L-A-D-H dot net, uh, you'll see there's a, uh, the, the presentation document we made yeah. for Google that has all the storyboards and the layout of the actual narrative structure. So, so it was devised as a choose-your-own-adventure almost exactly, type thing. Exactly, yeah. Because a lot yeah. of the ones I've seen don't give you those options. They don't yeah, play yeah, like yeah. that. It's, just, yeah. it's almost as if you strap into a roller coaster and, and you you go through and you look at whatever. And Yeah, and like The Limit, I think it was called. Ro Ro Rodriguez did it. And it, was, uh, it. it looks amazing. Really high-quality Hollywood thing. And you're yeah. like, you know, but it's, it's kind of like Hardcore Henry. You're like... Falling uh, out of airplanes, yeah, and, the and, 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 and I think Norman Reedus is in it and stuff. It's oh, really cool, like, yeah. But it is linear; they're linear, and um, I think part of that is because that's like a roller coaster, you know. Yeah. Um, and this, 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 this film is kind of drifty. It is roller coastery. I mean, it's got it, that propulsion. You're, you're moving, yeah, yeah it's because you are the werewolf. Yeah, um, yeah, you are moving through the land and running. Um, but um, and the poor cameraman, he, Jesus, he was so tired at the end of that. Yeah, because he used to duck down. Because you see no, him, you catch him sometimes. In yeah, the, in you see the a shadow or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. yeah. The the thing is, we had to suspend. We actually had to put the Odyssey rig upside down because the weight of it was so heavy. Yeah. That um, the whole film was shot upside down. I had to turn it back over because <laughs> it's just such an awkward shape. It's not. There's no rigs built for that kind of yeah. thing. It's like a huge. He, uh, I don't know, dumbbell or something. You know that you have to carry around. Um. So. Yeah, so it was it was it was a challenge, but it was an interesting challenge, and there was a so lot of really a lot, cool yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, I did. I definitely learned a lot about filming. <laughs> but the choose your own adventure thing was that something that you'd seen somewhere else, or was it just kind it of? It was. A it was actually it was kind of not a requirement, but it was something Google suggested at the start. To so give, a lot give of the, the audience options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 wanted to see that out there because they had a platform called. Uh, it was on Daydream, but it was called. Uh, what was it again? They closed it down recently, but they had a they had a couple of choose your own adventure kind of things they yeah. were building, um, and there was actually a crowd who shot uh, and completed their choose your own adventure thing um, called Lightsail VR, and they created this really cool uh, camping horror kind of thing, mm -hmm. and you would like they did it in a different way. So so in my film, you choose. You get to a scene, you go along the tracks, you run like the wolf, and then you get to a scene and you make a choice and that affects what happens in the next scene. Their version, what they did was, they shot every scene in a, in a square area of a forest. And uh, they're all within about five meters of each other. So some of the scenes are nothing, you know, but they shot them all and they have a grid. 
and then your choice is to move to different points. It's almost like checkers yeah, or chess, exactly, you're moving from exactly. one so side to lane side to yeah. another piece. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, so they, they finished that and they released that. And originally I was trying to get them to actually develop the narrative structure of uh, my film to, to build the, uh, the, 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 the app itself. Yeah. Uh, we were going to put it out on Gear VR, Google Daydream, and um, ideally PlayStation VR as well. But again, funding was a problem. So we never really got past that next stage. Mm -hmm. But after your festival, actually, I ended up going to another thing in Germany mm -hmm. called uh, the Future Design Symposium. Uh, it was in Hellbrom um, in a, a science gallery called Experimentia. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, they have a huge cinema dome. The cool thing about the Cinema Dome is it's, it's completely like full dome cinema. Glass. Yep, so the projection of the 360 film is all around you, but they also have 3D glasses. So you're in a 3D dome, a full 360 dome, wearing 3D glasses, and it was actually the most comfortable way to watch the film. Really, yeah? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it was still 4K, because I only finished in 4K. I never actually finished the film in 8K, because the software just couldn't handle it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, someday I will try and actually do it, and at the moment, uh, because of that event, a couple of studios approached me. Um, so there was a studio uh, called Delta Soundworks, yeah. who do panoramic audio, spatial audio, kind of for, for dome cinemas for the most part. But they also do VR content. And they, uh, they're really eager to work on it. So uh, we've been discussing back and forth on ways to get this funded. Um, we're looking at a group called Kaleidoscope, who fund a lot of VR ventures like yeah. this. Um, and we're both on there and we joined and I've actually contacted another Irish studio, uh, Pink Kong Studios. Mm -hmm. I spoke to them about a year ago about uh, doing an uh, animated opening sequence to give the story context. Because the yeah, context I can imagine earlier, like the it's thing. lost. Yeah, it was yeah. supposed to be there, but yeah. I never just never got around to it. Um, so all of that uh, needed funding uh, and uh, we've been just poking around at the moment just trying to find different funding sources for these kind of things I mean it's it, I, I probably this is uh, obvious thing but uh, the fact that you chose to use Guelga um, yeah, yeah I mean is that open you up to I, potential it funding might, from it might I, I it wasn't it wasn't intended but it was really just because that was the language yeah and if you if you if you see the other scenes the kids that Viking actually speaks and there's another little girl Viking in it and they actually speak uh, Nordic mm -hmm. um, and uh, there there there's you know oh and the monk is speaking Latin as well you know it just just felt like it was right you know to do it that way um, so maybe, maybe we could actually approach, you know, a di uh, something on scale. Guide Pitch it as an Irish yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, um, the, uh, but the, the cool thing is we actually got uh, some interest from a lady named Paula Fairfield. Mm -hmm. uh, she does the creature sound effects for Game of Thrones. Oh, cool. Um, so she's on board with working on it now and she's going to do the wolf sounds and the different creatures. Yeah, because when you were editing it, are you are you're editing this are you doing the sound design yourself are you taking into account arrow flies over back of yeah yeah so i i i i wa i did i did record it in spatial audio yeah um and i edited some of it in spatial audio but then i just basically i, I hit limitations i'm just not that good at audio yeah and um, yeah. so i i uh, just outputted it as normal stereo but yeah. there is the, the the original core sound effects are still the the actual in camera audio is spatial audio. Because I remember the arrow, you can hear an arrow come from yeah, one place to another. Yeah, goes you over, can hear yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So, so I did stereo, but so it does go left here, right here. Yeah. But it doesn't go spatially around you. Uh, if you have ambisonic audio, it's way better. Yeah. You know. But I mean, so the medieval one that you did that never went anywhere. Did yeah. you? 
you ironed out a lot of this stuff after that, was it? Uh, we did, yeah. Uh, there was some issues with failure with nausea and stuff like that. Now, yeah. people are sitting, and if they have a good headset, it's fine. But if they're standing or if they have uh, latency in the headset, if it's a bit delayed or something like that, if the reactions when you turn yeah. your head aren't very good, you can feel a bit nauseous because it's like a roller coaster. And, and I suppose uh, you wouldn't have known that. You don't know that until you screen it, do you? Or no, you, can you combat we, that? We actually, we were a bit ballsy. We did know it. And uh, we just we just didn't want to change the narrative for that. We thought mm. some people don't like roller coasters. But for this other one, it was actually for the educational software company I worked for. Mm -hmm. So it, we needed it to be a bit more uh, tame. So we yeah. shot everything much slower and we had it on uh, rails. And um, and we got some beautiful locations. We went down to Kalini uh, National Park. So we shot Muckross Abbey. Mm -hmm. We shot in uh, Swords Castle. Putting it on a rail, did you still do the your own adventure style or was no, it more linear this one was different again so they're all experiments really mm -hmm. that's the other thing about this industry the, the the vr content it's all experimental right now so everything's different everything's higgledy piggledy nothing's really solid or perfect yeah. you know but but what we did with that one was uh we tried to create a, a mystery so the, the, it's for kids again this one so it was basically the kids could uh they would see clues throughout the video it's a story about the, a plot to assassinate the king Mm -hmm. So it starts with the monk, and the monk is a. You're you're following the monk for the whole film, and you embody him sometimes, and you get the clues. You get to look around the scene and try and pick up the clues. And at the end of the film, you get to choose who you think the villain is. Oh, class! Yeah, yeah. So you. There's and does each one have a wrong right answer? Uh, yeah. Well, no. In the software, we would have built that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, so no, we didn't. We didn't shoot different answers. Yeah. We ran out of time. No, so there's basically there's either wrong and a text pops up and says try again. Yeah. Or correct, and the guy gets. Out, oh, because it'd be know. great. Because I remember, do you remember that Blade Runner game in the PC years ago? Uh, there was a Blade Runner game back in the nineties. No, I don't think had, I played that one. It had, it was one of the first games that had nineteen different endings. It was a you were you were like looking for Deckard. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it was a brilliant game. But you you had, it had nineteen different endings, and whichever decisions you made looking for clues would dictate the end of the game. That's exactly that's uh, uh, that's branching narrative stuff. Yeah, like, it was know? no, it's really really uh, it's really good and not something you see a whole heap of. Mm. Uh, and it's a shame you don't see more but I'm sure you will but I don't know from my experiences from like you're, you're saying 360 is kind of experimental my experiences is people are trying stuff out and sometimes it works and sometimes it's, I think horror is something people really try with 360 I've seen a lot of 360 horror movies Yeah, some yeah, of them are yeah. great some of them are kind of funny I remember there was one that I watched where it was like because you it's funny because horror, you, know, you cut a horror movie a certain way to build tension, but yeah. if you have it in a 360 scenario, that tension sort of dissipates. Yeah. So yeah. like there was an example, there was a, a, someone in a house and they're in their kitchen and you see someone in the background and they walk through a door. And you know, if it was a horror movie, you'd be like, well, where, what, where are they gonna come out of or whatever? But you were just like, I just watch that door and wait for him to come back out. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because like the physics of it would mean he has to come back that way, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we were saying, when we watched it, we were like, wouldn't it be great if you cast a bunch of people, they all were dressed the killers and they came out of different doors mm. and that would force you to look everywhere, you wouldn't know where it's coming from. But you could see the people experimenting. It was just funny because without, in that particular genre, without tension, without a way to cut for, Thing, you're just like, yeah. oh, the killer's coming from that door. I'll just wait until he gets here. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and your spatial awareness is, it's kind of like being uh, on set. Yeah. yeah. Like I noticed that when they first, like, I think they brought out a Terminator VR or something like that. And I was kind of like, whoa, VR, cool. And then I watched it and I was like, this is awful. <laughs> and I, I think uh, a, a big part of it is that uh, the cameras just don't have uh, any depth. Yeah, you know? and some you can you can force depth of field in, but then it doesn't agree with people's eyes because they want start, their own yeah. depth. So it's basically like watching a CCTV kind of feed, 
you know, of a film or being on a set of a film and watching that. Yeah, which isn't um, exactly the most. No, it's not. It's not the most cinematic thing. Yeah. I mean, c- c- cinema has like it has it has um, depth of field. You know, it has framing, it has mm-hmm. different lenses for different effects and angles. So you can't change the camera angles really. You know, you can you kind of move the camera around, but it's like taking someone's head off and wiggling. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so. Um, so it is very hard to create cinematic stuff. Um, unless, unless, as I was saying, you play around with people's ideas of what their expectation is. As I was saying, like that horror movie, if you had multiple people dressed as a killer coming from different parts of the house and, you know, physically it made no sense, yeah. at least then that would be like, well, I don't actually know where this person, the character like is coming from. murder mystery. Exactly. Like You're like, <laughs> yeah, like, where is he coming from? But at least it forced you to look. But I remember this specific experience was like, well, logic would pertain he's gone out that door and for him to get back in because I also understand the geography of the house because yeah. I'm looking around so he has to come back to that door so I'll just sit here and watch that one spot so it almost negates the purpose of having to turn your head or look around because you're just like well he's coming from there I'll just sit and That's it, have man. my tea and wait <laughs> but I have seen like yours is probably the best example I've seen of something that is kind of that almost transports you to somewhere else yeah. and you yeah, forget yeah. for a moment that that's where you are and I suppose the attention to detail that's gone into the 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 casting and the everything and the setting as you're saying the heritage site 360 everywhere you look yeah you're in that period yeah. uh, as opposed to other things where you're in a house and you can look around but you're very much stationary in a house yours is moving it's propulsive and it's surrounded by heritage and everywhere you look is it's some kind of element of fantasy or historic yeah. content yeah so, so set design goes a long way no matter what you do yeah you yeah no we did have an amazing art director as well yeah. um uh, lynn williams uh, she's based up in uh in in Cavan and she uh, she did an amazing job like you know she'd find every single sign and drape furs over them and these kind of yeah because then then again you'd have I suppose you have to you'd have to go back and look for historically accurate were you looking for like historically accurate costumes and all that sort of uh, stuff? No, well, actually, the great thing was because it was tile, uh, they 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 kind of this is like second nature to them. So, uh, like for Lynn, it was like, no, he's wearing this this kind of cloak because <laughs> that's what they wore. And I was like, okay, okay, you're the yeah, boss. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I had a lot of influence from other people, um, so it was great. So it was a, there was a huge emphasis on historical accuracy, which kind of helped because. We were creating something that was kind of innocent in a way. Like it wasn't that dark a film. There's a couple. I, I play a dead monk in the background in one yeah. of the shots, uh, but like there's nothing too graphic and nothing too scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted it to be that way so that anyone could enjoy it. You know? Yeah. But um, if you, you know, I wanted, you know, uh, something that my mother could watch exactly. as well as uh, a kid. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, we got that. And. Um, that was kind of the, the always the goal because it had a pairing with the educational software company at Google um, there was all these different companies involved in different things that we we had to create something that was you know innocent like that um, and I think I think we achieved that but it's just a shame we never actually achieved the full scope of the but interactivity still, I mean, but yeah. like it was it was it's a very hard baby thing steps do. I suppose yeah yeah so so we have Paula Fairfield the Game of Thrones lady in, interested at the moment yeah. um, we're looking to get another producer involved actually from yeah. Kaleidoscope. We're going to approach that community and try and pull someone in and um, we'll see, see what we'll get, you know. And that's kind of what you're working on next is, is just kind of by your actual day job is just kind of... Yeah, just chipping away. Chipping that. Chipping the, the main reason I'm actually trying to get another producer is my day job is just getting more and more busy. So I imagine, like, yeah. Yeah, like 
I need to step away from it and let someone else take the reins. Yeah, for a you while. need someone to be working in the background almost yeah, while you're because yeah, yeah. you've created the you've done the creative element of it now and you need it's a shot, good it's producer to, to go, come in. So it, it it can either live as that narrative film that you saw mm -hmm. or it could be taken to the next level and given the interactive. Well, it'd be nice to have the interactive element of it. I think yeah, it would be cool for like PlayStation or something like that. You know? Yeah, it would be very cool to. Yeah, and what's yeah. the total running time when you include all the? Um, it'd be about twenty minutes. I oh, think. cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's about six minutes at the moment. So yeah. if, if you play through it, you're always going to get about six, seven minutes. But if you play through every single one, you're going to add up to that 20 minutes you know, in total. Cool. And what was the rough budget on that? Because that seemed, I know um, you have the... It was pretty low, actually. Uh, it was about 10, 15. Yeah, be I suppose because, the, the again, the setting does so much of the heavy it did lifting. A lot of it the work. seems like yeah, you're like, yeah. this thing cost a fortune. Do you yeah, know? yeah. We shot yeah. it in two days as well. Like So it was very, very quick. Because it seems um, on par with like an episode of Vikings or something like that, in the sense that you have that. The production value was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I think it was, like, I actually ended up, you know, I had to plan everything based on the park. I actually went up, brought my kid and uh, my niece up to the park, and we acted out the film. <laughs> and I shot it with a, an Osmo. I'll, I'll send yeah. you a link to that later. Yeah. It's really dodgy and some of the scenes I didn't have any kid in it so because they, they got bored and they oh didn't if you send do me it. that I can put it against oh, you the can actual put it in, yeah yeah you can that'd watch be funny side, by side. side by side yeah. um, but I ended up like storyboarding drawing the kid onto 360 footage to kind yeah. of plan it all out so you get a really good idea of uh, you know where the production value came from and it's just clever planning and you can do that with like traditional film as well and for mobile content yeah, like, yeah. mobile filmmaking well, it's planning is, is it's um, yeah finding the right elements and sticking them together in the right way yeah, you know, um, so you know, if people can find like the right time of day to shoot a place, that might you know solve a lot. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, it goes a long way to shooting the golden hour and that kind of thing. Yeah, you can get your sun chaser apps now, which will yeah, tell you yeah, where the sun's yeah. going to be at a specific yeah, time. Throw up one shade. And yeah, you've got, you know, so there's a lot of indie production things that you can do. Um, like we had feck all lights on that shoot. It was all natural. Oh really? Yeah. Even the in, in the internal inside. Oh, the we had a thing yeah, we had a couple for the fire effects. Yeah, you know, just, yeah. just kind of flashing, but. Um, and for some of the scenes where you're focusing on an object, we flashed a light on those. But like the actual staging in the scene, you know, um, it was a lot of natural light, especially the outdoor stuff. It was yeah. just, you know, it was, it was no extra lights involved. Um, and it was purely because you'd see them. True, yeah, there's nowhere <laughs> to hide. Like yeah, you could barely yeah. hide the cameraman at times. Yeah, so I suppose yeah. You're, yeah, yeah. And the cameras also, they adjust. So even if one camera goes out of, uh, uh, goes uh, overexposed, then the other ones will adjust Balanced based it, on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're dealing with 16 cameras doing different exposure at different times. You know? I suppose if it was a modern setting, you could probably hide lights in the, in the set. Oh, you just use the yeah, house lights, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. you're, you're yeah. kind of snookered in that capacity. Yeah. But yeah, no planning, how long were you planning for, do you say? Um, I mean, you know, a month prep, um, another month, well, a month month pitching I guess you know yeah and then a month probably another month after that and you scripted time. this all out as a normal narrative yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 and um, and then just yeah shot it over two days and then did a pickup a month later and a year yes, it's very impressive I'm, I'm so always very <laughs> impressed when you find out that there was a film that came out it was shot on phones there uh, called blue moon mm -hmm. and it was shot in its class it was shot in two days in a petrol station at night in New Zealand and when you look at it it's like a feature and it's an hour and a half long and they shot Jesus. it over two days all at night so they just did two night shoots and I'm sure they prepped during the day I don't know the actual story behind it but I'm always really impressed when you see something and you find out what oh, they did that in two days yeah yeah and then yeah. you see someone's like oh we were working on it for a year like, really <laughs> yeah, expect more <laughs> you do I think it's you, you plan for a very long time and you spend a lot of time in post but the actual shoots are always really yeah short. and the more you plan 
and fine tune. I mean, we I've done shoots years ago where we didn't plan correctly and they were just drags it out because one small mistake comes up and you're like, I don't. This is gonna kill the entire day. Yeah. But I suppose if you've spent months planning and should just be going in and executing. Yeah, and then things go wrong. Yeah, yeah well, there, there is that there is that element to it yeah. too. But um, no, that's great. Anyway, cheers for that. Okay. No and uh, yeah, thanks very much. And it was great. And uh, yeah, hopefully there's uh, some three sixty submissions at this year's festival. Yeah. So I'm yeah, interested in checking them, them out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. As I said, yeah, it's 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 not something I get. The reason I have it, I think I said to you before, is I like the. I mean, a lot of them aren't shot on phones, but I like the fact that you have to view them on your phone. Yeah. And there's yep. an interactive element to it that I really, really enjoy. You still have the daydream, don't you? I don't. No, I give oh. back to you. Oh, was it mine? It was yours. You you gave me I two. I thought you had a second one. No, you gave me two. Ah, oh, feck. Oh yeah, I had uh. to give them back to Google. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you should. Get, well, you've got different VR viewers though, don't you? Uh, I well, I yeah. I if you get 360 submissions, we should get you one. And yeah. We'll make sure that it's there at least. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember I had to I had to create a 3D film based on I, I converted my film for the school. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I I I think you could do that again if you really had to. You could have people. You, you could I could help you advise them on how to do it. Convert it over. Uh, yeah. But if you have a headset there, it'd be awesome. It was really cool last year. Everyone's queuing yeah, up people to like that's why I like it because yeah. people people queue up to do it uh, and that's really and, and it's a great experience and you get as you were saying you know you want something that your mom could watch and yeah. your son could watch yeah and yeah. there is that element to it at the event where people everyone just sits down and has a good time yeah and like, people yeah. generally don't do that unless they're like if I went home to my mom and said put this headset and they won't but if you everyone queuing up and everyone's doing it they get a bit excited about about join it, in like, so yeah. that's yeah. I like the interactive element of it so um I just wish I'd get more submissions um, because yeah, I just yeah. don't get a lot. You mean you're talking two, three, four? Well, we'll put a um, lot of hashtags on this and see if we got a few. Yeah, more yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Anyway, cool. That Thanks. Great. Thanks for that. Brilliant. Cheers, man. Good luck. That's it from us, guys. Um, that's our chat with Declan. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, 360 filmmaking is not something I know that well and I'm uh, very interested to learn more about so it was great to get his insight um, on how he put together that film. Uh, as I said, you can check out that film on YouTube. Um, and uh, you can also find a link to it through the Dublin Smartphone Film Festival site under the winners category. Uh, the festival itself will take place on the 25th of this month. Um, there are still tickets available for that. It's taking place in the Teelings Distillery uh, in Newmarket there in Dublin. Um, so if you're looking for tickets, you can grab them. Again, you can grab them through our website if you're in there checking out the 360 submissions. Um, and uh, thanks very much, guys. And look forward to uh, you guys tuning in for future episodes. Bye.